Good afternoon, listeners. This is Ed Franklin with the Ed No Limits podcast. This is my second attempt at a live podcast. I did one last week and I felt like I was a little, um, I'd never done one before. So I started off, I got a little bit confused with some things, had my sound on, I was getting feedback and all kinds of things, but I'm ready to go today and have a really interesting conversation uh, with you all. Um, remember, you can reach me at edfranklin.nolimits at gmail.com. If you'd like to be a guest or you know somebody would be a great guest for my podcast. So thank you for joining me today. Um, you know, last week when I was after that live podcast, I was talking to my oldest daughter and uh, she was she wasn't scolding me, but it was kind of funny that she was saying that I need to be a little bit you know, more organized, a little have a better outline. And I did last week in my head, and I don't usually do an outline or take notes at all. But um, when I got, I got kind of confused, it kind of mixed me up when I started off. So it was a little, uh, uh, felt like I wasn't um, very sharp at the time, but that's okay, because we're here now and, um, and we're ready to go. So um, today's topic is about addiction. So not the kind of addiction that um, you hear mostly about where it's an addict that has, you know, overcome an addiction. And I'm very proud of when people can do that. I know it's not easy. Uh, it's very difficult, actually. So, um, but I'm kind of come from a different point of view. I'm going to come from a person that living outside uh, addiction, which is, you know, I've had unfortunately been involved with a lot of people that are either addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol. I'm not sure what the difference is. I know that alcohol is much easier to get. <laughs> and I probably, you know, thought I might struggle with that myself. I don't think I do. But of course, every alcoholic or addict says that, but they don't think they have a problem. But mine goes way back. Um, so I am the uh, grandson of an alcoholic a son of an alcoholic, an ex-wife of an, excuse me, an ex-husband of an alcoholic and a father of an addict. So um, I've kind of had my fill and my share. And of course, I've had friends that have lost their lives because of this poison that people put into their bodies. And, and let me tell you, this is not about me trying to fix anybody or or telling, telling you that I know the reason they do it, because I, I don't, um, because, I, because I know so many people that don't do it, that don't have a problem, and have had just as many hard times in their life or whatever. So let me start when I was a kid. I used to hear a lot about my grandmother being an alcoholic, and it's my mom's mom. And I remember my grand, grandmother fondly. She had lived with us at certain times, and I, there's no doubt she struggled with some kind of mental um, issue. She had been in the hospital. Um, it's funny, I was kind of explaining this to my grandson, and he says, uh, was she in one of those hospitals like on, uh, on um, the Pet Detective movie uh, with Jim Carrey? And I said, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, I used to go visit her with my mom at these places, and they were, um, you know, there was a lot of people that were suffering from mental illness that were there, and, um, you know, as a little kid, it was scary going there because they, uh, you know, you just had these people that were, you know, kind of out of their mind. And, and uh, it was, it was very scary as a young child to see this. And, you know, I would talk to my mom and she would tell me about, you know, instances she had when her mother was drinking when she was younger and that uh, she was very upset about that. And it, it meant a lot to her or not meant a lot to her, but it affected her a lot. 
can say it that way. And my mother was not a drinker at all. Maybe a teetotaler, I guess. She'd have a drink a year or two, kind of like my wife, Kit. Not much of a drinker. So um, as I was growing up, my dad, and I didn't really understand what an alcoholic was still. I mean, I knew that my grandmother was a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but that was more of a, uh, you know, I was so young, I didn't really know what was going on. So my dad, there were some instances when I was a young child where he got a little bit violent with my mom and other people in our family and kind of really still didn't understand it, just figured he had a bad temper. And, you know, back then in the 60s, uh, when I was that little, you know, I, I don't know if it was, it kind of wasn't that unusual. I would, I knew people that went through this, you know, we'd talk about it, we'd go on and we'd start playing sports again. But as a teenager is when I really started being affected by what my dad was doing. And sadly enough, when I was, um, I'll tell you a story about something that, that, that happened when I was 12 years old. But sadly enough, um, it, it probably affected me more than I thought it did. I just kind of went with the flow because that's what we did when we were kids. Now there was no one to talk to. There was no counseling. There was no anything like that. If it was available, we couldn't afford it and we didn't do it. We had my mom. She was our counselor. But when I was about 12 years old, we, uh, my parents had gotten divorced when I was about 10. And uh, so by some you know, force of nature, they decided they wanted to buy a house. And back in the 70s, you really couldn't buy a house unless you were married. Or if you were single, you had a ton of money. And they did not have a ton of money. So we had a house in San Diego that they sold. And we bought a house in Poway, which is the house that we just moved from two years ago after the remodels and all that. We, uh, my dad had to come up and sign some papers um, in Poway. And ironically, the, the, um, the realtor that we had lived two doors up from the house we purchased. And my dad had to go sign some papers. So he gets, we get to this guy's house and he had a beautiful home, um, two story. And I'd never seen anything like this really with a pool. I was not been enough friends that lived in houses like this. And they, they start drinking, me not paying attention. I'm just kind of listening to their conversation or whatever. And uh, by the time we go home, it's starting to get a little bit late. It's October 3rd, 1974. And there's a bunch of reasons why I remember that date. But um, so we get in the car, we start driving home and we're going down the freeway. And if you're going down to 163 and you're going to get on the 805, there's a big sweeping left-hand ramp that kind of goes off. And my dad was so drunk, he was starting to fall asleep while we were driving. He was, um, I kept waking him up by asking him questions or whatever. And I could tell he was falling asleep and we're all over the road. I uh, can't believe he didn't get stopped. And um, I mean, he literally, <clears throat> we could have, he could have killed me. I mean, and himself, he was so drunk. And when we got home, my mom was just livid. I mean, she was out of her mind and my dad ended up leaving and going to a bar because, and I, I know that because the next morning when we, when he woke up, he was sleeping on the couch with sunglasses and he had a big shiner, big, like he had been in a fight. So at the time, my dad was like 40 years old, but he still, he'd still get in fights. He'd go shoot bully, do all these things. So anyway, we get settled in and everything. And during my, like, just jump up to high school now. So I was 12. Then we jump up to high school. He would often call me and like on a Monday night, say, hey, you know, how you doing? We had two lines in the house because back then you did that. You had a San Diego line and a Poway line it's a long story for you younger people, but we, uh, he would call me and ask me how I'm doing. This would be like on a Monday afternoon at four, four 30 or something like that. When he gets off work and tell me, like, I'll see you in about 30 minutes. Well, you know, uh, he wouldn't come home. 
and then he wouldn't come home on Tuesday, and then he wouldn't come home on Wednesday. And there are these evenings where I'm laying in bed wanting him to come home because he had been in a lot of accidents and drinking, you know. And back then, you get in an accident, you pay a couple hundred bucks, you get a, you get a, what they used to call a 502. It's a DUI now, but, and, so I was here, I am as a teenager trying to, you know, do good in school and things and play sports and all this. And here I am staying up till two, three in the morning till my dad gets home. So, so I know he's safe. And, uh, you know, looking back, this is like child abuse at its best, right? Uh, my mom was home, of course, but I didn't want to bother my mom. She worked, she did all these things. And, um, so there was a lot of different instances where my dad was just plowed and he couldn't drink very much. He'd maybe... My mom used to joke and call him three beers, Gary, because he just, he just couldn't drink. He couldn't handle his alcohol. And I, and, uh, I guess, you know, looking back, it was pretty tough. Thank God for my mom, because she was sharp and, um, you know, kind of was able to hold the house together. And I've talked about that before in different podcasts, but, um, yeah, he'd have his, you know, they'd have their friends over and my dad, his friends would be you know, swimming in a pool and we'd he'd do a barbecue and all that. And, you know, by the time six o'clock came around in the summer, my dad would be passed out um, on the couch. His friends would be gone, of course. And he had this one friend that I remember really well. His name was Ken Ferguson. And um, he, I told my mom, I said, you know, I never noticed that Ken never, Fergie, we called him, never gets drunk. He says, well, she says, well, it's funny you said that because the, the reality is you've never seen him sober. You've all, he, the only time you see him is when he's drunk and he's able to maintain much better than your father and drive and ride a motorcycle and all these things. And uh, that's just amazing to me looking back that, um, that I had to live through this. So this is really my first kind of initial, you know, my first time I was around people that drank, you know, that drank so heavily. Um, you know, moving forward, I'd never had a drink <clears throat> until I was 20 and a half and we didn't, I didn't do drugs when I was a kid. Um, the, the big drug in Poway for the kids that are, had a little bit of money was cocaine. We didn't have any money, so I wasn't going to spend money on drugs. I did go, I went golfing one time with some friends and, you know, we took some beers with us and we had, we had beers in our ball holder on our bags and we were drinking, you know, as we were golfing. And nobody was drunk. We just, uh, we maybe had a buzz or something while we were there. <clears throat> and we came back to this guy's house after the, uh, after golfing. And this guy starts cutting up a bunch of Coke. He's starting to cut up lines of Coke. And I, I don't know nothing about this. I've never been around that in my life. And they, they came to me and I'm like, nope, I don't do that stuff. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not touching any of that. And I think there was maybe 10 guys there plus me. And I think I was the only one who didn't do it. And they all took a dollar bill, rolled it up, and snorted this Coke off of the table. They all gave the guy money, and then they snorted some Coke off the table. And strangely, they all stood around in a circle for about the next 35, 40 minutes and just talked a million miles an hour. I mean, I don't even remember what they were talking about, but it was just people talking over each other. And I'm looking at all these guys going, what's wrong with you? Is this all this drug does to you? Is kind of, you know, makes you talk too fast? So um, my first experience, so I just was not... I just was not somebody that, you know, used drugs when I was a kid. Um, I mean, I dabbled a little bit with pot, but it was such bad weed, you know, it's not like the stuff you can get today, but um, this was never really around it. So as I was, you know, getting older, I worked in the grocery business when I was um, 
I went to work when I was 16 in the grocery business and ended up graduating a year early and going working night crew. And um, also we'd work like 10 in the morning or excuse me, 10 at night till 630 in the morning or midnight to 830 or whatever the hours were. They were all overnight. It's back when grocery stores used to close. Uh, close relatively early and several of the guys on that I worked with would take stuff. They'd take speed. They'd take all kinds of things to stay awake. I just was in good shape. I was young. Some of these guys were in their thirties. I was, like I said, 18, 19, 20 years old and I didn't have any problems staying awake. Plus I did this thing. I did this uh, thing I call, I used to call it sleep. So <laughs> I would go home after work and sleep for a while. And, and um, so I wouldn't have this issue with staying awake. But it was interesting uh, to watch these guys because you could see their mood change and things like that. And I, I think some of the guys continued to do it after they had left and other guys kind of grew out of it or whatever, but um, really interesting. So like I said, we never, we never talk about the effects, you know, uh, an alcoholic or, uh, you know, an addict have on their families and all these things around it. Cause I think people are embarrassed to talk about it. I'm actually a little bit embarrassed to talk about it. I said in my last podcast that us parents always want to blame ourselves for what our kids are doing. If it's not good, if it's good stuff, we put it on them, right? That's what we do. We, if they go to school and they pay for their school and they do all these things, that's on them. And they did a good, you know, good job at doing that. We don't take credit for that normally. But when your kids do something that, you know, is bad, you kind of, um, you know, you think you take responsibility for it. What could I have done different so they wouldn't be doing this? The reality is when they turn 18, 19, 20 years old, they're either out of the house, maybe they're not out of the house yet. They're getting exposed to things you have no control over and they're going to do what they want to do. Um, they don't ask me permission to do something wrong. They don't ask me for permission to do anything. They're 18, they're adults. They can do what they want. We have, um, so when I got, uh, and I, I want to be, you know, I, when I do a podcast like this, it's always, I, I want to be sensitive to the people I'm talking about because I don't want to call them out. I don't want to, this isn't, there's no ulterior motive here. It's just kind of, I kind of feel like some of you may have gone through this in your life and I'm just sharing my thoughts on it. And maybe you have the same thoughts or, and maybe at some point you want to talk about it. You can always email me. You can messenger me. You can text me. if You have my number. Um, it, there's so much it affects you so much when you're that person on the outside and it affects a lot of people. This doesn't affect me. It affects, you know, it affects my wife and grandkids, kids, and it affects a lot of people around in the area. So especially when your kids are using, um, my ex-wife, um, I kind of really didn't understand she had a problem until later, until after, uh, until after we weren't married anymore. And, uh, probably because I was drinking at the time too. And we would go out and we would, you know, have people over and play darts and stuff like that. And I did not have a problem. I could, I could function at any level that I had to. Sometimes I didn't drink because I needed to get up early travel or whatever I was doing. So I never really paid attention to it. She had her own set of issues after we were married. And I'm not going to talk to those because those are, those are kind of her business, but I can tell you that I think, you know, if you have parents that are alcoholics or drug addicts, I think you're, 
your odds of having those problems go up, right? If your parents have been, if you witnessed this firsthand or they were, things were disappointing to you or whatever, I think that, you know, your odds go up to have some problems. So let me get to my kids. So two of my kids have used um, substances and to a point where it was life-threatening, it was, it's dangerous, it was disheartening to me is very sad it's very hard to watch your children go through this i have friends that have lost their children um, because of drugs i have friends that have lost their life because of drugs um, when i i often bring up a tragedy that happened three years ago and it was when two people that i know lost their life and it was all related to drugs and looking back 10 years ago i didn't have any of these issues i mean i did with my daughter but it seems so prevalent now, and I just lost another friend last year um, that was a friend of mine from the gym, uh, you know, from fentanyl, and uh, this fentanyl is just coming into America like in truckloads right now, and um, it's just so sad, but I can tell you as a parent, I've watched, you know, I've had things stolen from me, I've been lied to, I've been, uh, had my car stolen, I've had, you know, property stolen, I've I've stayed up all night trying to help my kids get over their issue. I've been, um, I've been happy that they've made some good, that they've made some good strides. I've been sad when they get go backwards, and it's, it's really this really emotional roller coaster. And I'm telling you, when your kids are doing it, it's the worst. I mean, my dad was a big boy. He, could, you know, he told me what to do. I didn't tell him what to do, and. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've been, I mean, it could say a lot of things. It could be the reason the thing that I do a lot of things I do because I've been around this so much. And uh, I guess the worst part of it is nothing you can do. Um, you can't guilt people into changing. You can't uh, threaten them. You can't um, be sad to them. You can't cry to them. You can't do anything because this is something they have to realize on their own that they have to fix and, and you just can't, uh, you know, and we always want to fix things, right? We're all fixers and want to do things. Sorry about that. Take a drink. And, uh, it's just water by the way. So, um, yeah. So when you're around this stuff, and like I said, especially when you're kids and I'd probably been dealing with this for about, I don't know, 13 years, my, uh, you know, one of my kids is, you know, doing great. She's been clean for, I don't even know how long, seven years or whatever. He's just doing fantastic. Uh, made a whole turnaround in her life. <clears throat> the other child could maybe still be having some issues and it's still hard to deal with. Um, it's cost me a lot of time. It's cost me, I think sometimes at some levels, it's cost me some of my career. It's, uh, but you know, um, these are things we deal with in life and these are my children and I'm going to do whatever I can to help, you know, to help them anyway, when they want to ask, like I said, there's nothing I can do. That they, they don't want the help. There's nothing I can do, but I can, um, you know, be there as a support vehicle. Sometimes you got to be such a hard ass that it just tears your heart out to do that. And uh, <clears throat> I don't want to get emotional on this, on this podcast, um, hopefully some people are watching. It doesn't look like too many people are watching, but if you are watching, you know, wave or something, 
or if you have any questions or comments, please pipe in. I have right here, I can answer those questions. But yeah, I can tell you, it's definitely been hard. It's changed my life um, 180 degrees from when I didn't have these issues, right? Um, you know, when Kit and I first got married, we didn't have these issues. We were doing, you know, everything was fine. We didn't have anybody, you know, we had kids that might act it up. We might've had some kids that just like everybody else that, you know, did some stupid shit that we had to help straighten out. But for the most part, I didn't have anything this dangerous. And, um, you know, when you start adding people to your life, like boyfriends and husbands and, and all this stuff, you know, you don't know what you're going to get all the time. And um, like I said, it's just so sad, especially when somebody, you know, we just lost another, another friend of mine's uh, son just committed suicide. And I don't know if what the circumstances were behind it. I would, I would guess it may be something like this. Um, so yeah, just too many friends and too much bad news on a regular basis. We, we saw a lot of this uh, when we were in the kids were in high school with kids that were, you know, getting in car accidents and, and that, you know, you always think it's those other people. It's not, it can't happen in your family because you have such a bitch in family. Well, I got news for you. I don't care if you're broke, if you're rich, if you're educated, if you're not educated, I know women that were doing it that were moms. I know, um, and not, you know, I mean, hard drugs that, uh, you know, you, you just fall into on accident sometimes. Uh, maybe trying to be part of the crowd or somebody laces your something. I mean, it's crazy. The drug um, uptick, especially since COVID, I think even way before that, um, and it's like I said, it's just pouring into the U.S. right now. And they're trying everything they can to stop it. But, you know, for every ounce they catch coming in, there's 15,000 pounds coming in. So and it's, it's readily available. You know, I never understood uh, why we treated alcohol and drugs so different. It just seems like drugs are so dirty and alcohol is, you know, so acceptable. Um, I just was talking to a guy a week ago and he says, yeah, you know, we get together all the time. Maybe we can get together for a beer. I mean, it's always, it's always something, you know, based around alcohol. And I see people on Facebook doing it and I know it's a joke and I make the same jokes myself, but it just always seems like we're, we base everything, our meetings, our lives around, you know, the entertainment has to include alcohol or we can't have a good time. Like I said, that's, that's kind of a really broad statement. It's, and for most of you, it's not even true. It's just, uh, you just see that all the time. We see, you know, politicians and athletes having problems with drugs and alcohol. And you think they have these perfect lives and here they are throwing their lives away and killing themselves with these poisons. So, um, man, it's one of those things where you wish you had a, which you wish you had a uh, solution for. And we don't, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's pouring into America, like, like it's going out of style and it's a worldwide problem. It's not just it's not just us here, but God, I, I feel for you parents, if you're listening to this and you had to um, deal with a kid that's an addict, I know what you're going through. Um, God forbid something ever happens to one of my kids that's, you know, well, God forbid anything happens to my kids, period, but that it's drug related or something like that. And I can tell you when you have kids that are addicts, you, you stay up at night hoping that you're not going to get that phone call. When that, if that phone does ring, it sends a shiver up the back up your back like you can't believe it. Um, but this is a you know this is kind of the price of paying 
with having kids, I guess I, it's one of those um, things you don't think about when you're having kids, of course, because they're so cute and little and defenseless. And when they grow up, they can, uh, you know, they can get themselves in a dangerous situation. And it's very, very scary. And I've lost a lot of sleep over this over the last 15 years. And um, I hope I don't lose so much sleep over the next 15 because, uh, you know, I have grandkids now that, you know, we're doing everything we can to educate them about this and keep them in good neighborhoods and keep them. Well, it's funny. I just said, I just said a stupid statement to keep them in good neighborhoods because I know plenty of kids that, and plenty of my friends that were in good jobs, good neighborhoods, good around the supposed right people. And they're no longer with us. So, um, you know, the older you get, people start dying. Uh, and, and the unfortunate side, the unfortunate part of it is it's not just, you know, 80-year-olds. It's, it's 19-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 35-year-olds that are dying um, from either the drug itself or from getting or from a car accident or a related issue. And um, it's just so difficult. And like I said, I mean, I could, I'm not intending this podcast to just be about me whining about it. It's just something you really need to look out for. And it's something that I guarantee you, every one of you listening in here and everyone that will listen to this podcast afterwards has had some contact with, or is related to, or is parenting a person that's using narcotics or, or alcohol in a bad way. And, and I just pray to God that nothing happens to your kids or your family members and things and they can get over this terrible thing. You know, I've been involved with rehabs. I've talked to counselors. I've talked to, um, I've been to, you know, I've talked to these, some of these people that are, that are recovering or that have recovered, or I don't know if you ever recover from this, but and it's just the same old story. You just, there's nothing you can do to change people. They got to change it on their own. And um, it's just a real sad uh, commentary on our youth that this stuff is so available to them. One of my daughters told me one time, she says, I could drive down the street with you and tell you who I could get drugs from. I, I, and I don't know what to look for, but she, you know, she could do that. She could say, look, I can go get them anytime I need them. You'd be surprised where I can get them. And, um, and then, of course, alcohol is so readily available. You can walk, I can walk to the store right now and get alcohol. I mean, I don't have to. I can go anywhere and get alcohol. I can go to a restaurant. I can go, you know, anywhere. I think maybe one of the saddest things, too, is that some of my friends that are alcoholics that I, I, I know just from being around so many um, alcoholics in my life, I, can, I know they are. They're having a problem. Now, you can't just walk up and say anything to them. Um, they're not that good of friends. But yeah, you do, I can just, I can pick them out. I can, I can watch people and say, look, I've been around alcoholics enough. I can tell you um, the things they say, like something I just said that I don't, well, I don't, I'm not an addict or I'm not an alcoholic. I, I mean, I guess you really don't know, do you? I mean, I can stop drinking. I've proven that I've done it. I'm doing it again just so I can get in shape for my birthday. Um, I just, I don't have that personality that uh it sticks to but um and, and i guess thinking of personality i know when people ask me about my dad if i'm telling a story about my dad i can say you know when he was drinking and i used to my mom and i used to talk about this 
he was a completely different person. I mean, not, not even, I mean, he was mean. He was, he, he wasn't, it wasn't that he wasn't coherent. He just, he just had a whole different personality. My kids are the same way. And it's funny. I I've said to my kids, Hey, uh, you know, like, don't come to my house high. Like I've said that a long time ago. And my daughter's like, I'm not. And I'm like, no, you are, <laughs> you think you, you don't know what I can see. And um, I can tell, I can tell when the way, the way my daughter walked, I can tell the way she talks. I can tell the way she moves her hands, the way she does things that immediately I know that she's using something. And it's, it, it's so, uh, so hard on me to watch this. And I know it's hard on Kit. It's hard on the rest of the family. It's hard on the grandkids, especially the ones old enough to understand. And um, God, I hope, I hope they find their way because it's, it's very difficult to watch. And, um, you know, and I'm proud of all my kids, no matter, you know, if, if they've done some, it doesn't matter if they've done some things they shouldn't have been doing. I just want them healthy. I want them uh, smart. They're all smart. I want them to use their brains. I said that smart thing. <clears throat> One of the things about my dad, he was, if, if I've ever met a, like a legitimate genius that my, that was my dad. He was, he was so smart and so talented, good athlete, good. Uh, he was just good at everything. I mean, he, he could bowl, he could play basketball, softball, anything he tried, he was just really good at. I just don't think he could shut his brain off. And I think he just, this is what he tried to do is manage his life with alcohol and alcohol got the best of him. Now, my dad passed away at 43. Uh, excuse me, 46. He was not, I guess, theoretically, he didn't die from alcohol or smoking or anything like that. He did work with asbestos a lot in the 60s. I think that's what he died of. But the alcohol broke his body down, I think. And then, uh, you know, and everything else he was doing broke his body down and he probably couldn't fight off things very well. Plus, we weren't at the medicine level we are, you know, when this happened to him that we are these days. Um, but so my, my point to that is that my, some of my kids inherited that brain speed, right? They're, they're wicked, wicked geniuses in, in some way. And sometimes I don't think they can shut their brain off. So this is a way for them to try to manage that or relax. I was just listening to something before I came up here to my office was Jordan Peterson talking about alcohol on the Joe Rogan show about how the reason people use it and the reason why it's good to use it in, in that way. And of course it's like anything too much of anything isn't good for you. Um, and something else I wanted to bring up that I had in my notes here, you know, we, I talk and I'm talking about drugs and alcohol. There's a lot of other uh, obsessive compulsive behavior that people do that when I, people that I know that, that do that, these other things like eat or, you know, uh, even clean obsessively or go to the gym obsessively or, you know, they're hoarders, all these. There's so many links when I see that to an alcoholic or, or a drug addict. There's so many links. It's like you could, you know, you could tell me, well, I don't drink or smoke or, you know, uh, use drugs. But and then I'll look at them and go, you know what? But. I'm not saying this to them, of course, if I'm not in the business of insulting people. 
And I can see where they have the same, a lot of the same personality traits that those people that use have. They're very much, um, they very much uh, have the same way of thinking, kind of the same processes in a lot of ways. And uh, God, if I was a psychologist, I could, I could probably tell you the professional, you know, term for that. But there's no doubt in my mind that a lot of people that uh, even if they're not using drugs or alcohol, that they're doing other things that are, it's completely that obsessive behavior that keeps them in that. In, uh, and I think it's bad behavior, by the way. I think even being obsessive, going to the gym four or five, six hours a day, I think that can be, you know, that's just an obsessive thing. And it's not that working out's not good for you, but I think it goes past that. I think it goes past where you're this, you know, obsessive. I, um, We've been putting together this house for the last six weeks because we just moved in. And I mean, there's times we're all lay in bed because I remember I didn't, I didn't fix something in the garage that needs to be straightened out. And, uh, you know, I've gotten up at three in the morning and went out and straightened that thing out. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, that's no better than, you know, than the other thing. It's just that me straightening that box out or turning the box the right way. So the letters are facing out. Um, or getting books in a row that that's correct, or um, you know, that, those things just won't kill me. But these other things, you know, can. So I was hoping for more comments during this. I don't know if um, I don't know how many people are listening. I don't know if sometimes people don't want to pipe in because they don't want to put their name out there and ask me a question. Um, I know I've been a little bit vague on who's who. Um, I'll always do that. I swear I. I keep telling my wife, I want to do a podcast where I just call people out and not my friends or family, but there's some other people I'd really like to call out that uh, have just disappointed me on a regular basis and companies and things like that. And I won't do it because I don't want to burn any bridges. But um, dude, I swear if I did that, I'd probably have 10 times the listeners I have now because I'd be so honest and I just can't. I just won't do it. I'm just not going to, even if I don't like the person, I'm not going to embarrass them publicly. I'm not going to call them out and say some things because uh, then people just make up shit about you. So listen, if you ever have a question of whether I did something, just ask me, I'll tell you. Um, so anyway, well, like I said, I was hoping more people would be on here live today. Um, let's see, look at my notes to anything else. I mean, I'm pretty much, I, I just really kind of wanted to touch base with you and hopefully um, somebody has been listening to this knows they're not alone in this whole thing. We've all, um, We've had to deal with it in our household. I know other parents that have had to deal with it. I've had parents that have told me they were glad their kids weren't around anymore because they were in so much pain from suffering, uh, from struggling with drug addiction that they're better off where they're at. And, um, I don't know about that, but I guess, I don't know what you say. You know, I have a friend that's lost two sons from this and I don't know how he deals with them on a daily basis, but um, I have a hard time dealing with his sons losing their life. And, um, I don't know how he does it regularly, but anyway, I was hoping I would relate to somebody on this. If I do, uh, you can always email me at edfranklin.nolimits at gmail.com. That's edfranklin.nolimits at gmail.com. You could, uh, send me a note. You can hit me up in messenger. If you want to just make a comment or ask me a question, or you want to talk. Um, I said last week that you know, you can't, and this is a good, 
good analogy for these kids that are using drugs. I have not, uh, I've tried to fix them. It doesn't work, but I have sat in the mud with them and just listened. And, um, you know, if, if I just got to sit in the mud with you, uh, I sit in the mud with you. That's, that's what we got to do. So thank you again for listening. I have another podcast next week. My last podcast with Jennifer Hooper kicked ass. You guys should watch that. Um, got a lot of views, a lot of listens on that podcast. It went really well. I uh, have some new stuff coming up. I have my website's almost ready to go. It's kind of boring, but it's my first one I've made. So uh, this is all a work in progress. And make sure if you go to my um, YouTube channel, you subscribe, share my podcast if you get an opportunity. And thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. And we'll see you soon at another podcast.